Hi, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Breaking Free podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and I'm excited to talk with you today about how to find and operate from self. And I'll be talking to you a little bit more about what self is. Before that, I just, a little housekeeping. Um, Some of you have told me that you haven't been able to find the podcast. You're used to it showing up on wholewomenlink.com. And and of course, there will always be a link to the most latest podcast there. However, that is still a blog website. So I, I would really encourage you, if you haven't already, to go to either iTunes or Spotify. They're free to download and join the podcast. That would also really help me because I would know, you know, how many listeners we have. You get the latest podcast. Uh, It also helps get the podcast out there. So if you want to support the podcast, I would appreciate that. If you can rate it, if you can share it. Of course, I will continue to periodically link, um, create a button or a a post on Whole Women Link where it sends to your email. But I won't be doing it for every podcast. So if you're looking for every single podcast to come to you via that way, you'll have to go to Whole Women Link and click on the podcast and you'll see it there. But like I said, I highly recommend it. I will also put it um, on my personal Facebook page. Some of you are friends of mine and you wanted to get it that way. So this time I will. But, you know, this is a professional podcast. And so I try to separate those things like many professionals do. But I really appreciate the, like I said, the grassroots efforts that have been to get this out here. You know, for me, it's a passion to spread the healing power that comes from what we'll talk about today, which is operating out of self, which really means for me personally, stepping out of shame and stepping into what we're meant to live in, which is love, love for ourself, love for others, to work from love. I mean, I think what happens in life is a lot of us work from fear, you know, or to avoid painful experience. We don't mean to operate that way. We are, you know, biologically motivated to, you know, avoid pain and to, um, you know, protect ourselves. And I think it has value, right? I think that this, these painful experiences and learning from them and seeking to avoid them has value, but it can be very paralyzing. Um, we can be operating out of fear for many, many years ago and not be in danger now. I, I see that a lot with the clients that I've had. You know, they may have had very adverse childhood experiences and now as an adult, maybe they're in a safe relationship, they're in a safe environment, but they still feel paralyzed by the past. And they don't seem to be able to break free from it. This is what I do. This is my passion. This is my job. Um, This has been, I really honestly believe God's calling to me in this life is to learn this healing art, to learn how to help people break free of these things. And I, I, I give it away, honestly, about as freely as I've received it. I really enjoy learning of this. It's, it's blessed me and I hope it will bless you. All right. So let's start with this topic today. Like most podcasts, I wait to kind of see what comes to me, what seems to be the next step. I just also consider the process that I know people are on. In the last episode, we talked about how, you know, our relationship with others naturally flows from our relationship with self. Some of you may have done some inventory there and gone, I really struggle with how I feel about myself. You know, I honestly don't love and accept myself. And so therefore, I find myself not accepting and loving and being able to be with people where they're at in their journey. And I think this is particularly key in parenting. So for those of you that are parents out there, and even if you're not, maybe you have coworkers or you have siblings or you have a a spouse, this all applies. I promise you when I teach parenting classes, I always say, look, this could easily be a marital seminar. 
This could be a how to get along with your friends in social relationship seminar. Really what parenting teaches is just really good interpersonal skills, okay? So if you're not a parent, you might be one or you're an auntie or something, listen to this podcast anyway. But for those of you who are parents, I wanted to kind of really address you today because we haven't done a parenting podcast yet, okay? So this will kind of be self from a parenting perspective. It's the end of the year. It's May. Some of you have hit the end of the year. Congratulations. You survived. Um, We're in the last two or three weeks here for my kids in school. And for many of you, that's especially with older children. You know, this is when testing is really heavy and grades come due. And I had a shame moment, right, recently. And I want to share my stories here because I can't believe I'm much different than any other parent. You know, my son was was talking about how he's struggled with math this year off and on, and I've really seen him work hard to try to to improve there. Um, he was cap- he's actually captain of his tennis team, and the end of the year is really tough because he has a lot of matches and he's gone a lot, so he tends to get behind. And so he was trying to catch up there, and I could just see that he was really struggling with, um, you know, some test scores that had come back, you know, and hoping he could creep over and get the A he was hoping to get, not sure that that would happen. And he kind of came to me and said, you know, just kind of trying to prepare me. I think seeking my validation that even if I don't get an A, even if I don't get the grade that I set for myself, you know, will you be disappointed in me? And you guys, as his parent, I wanted to be like, if you do your best, if you're doing what you can do, I'm proud of you. Like I accept and love you where you're at. But there was this creeping voice in me that was like, no, you need to do what it takes to get that A. You need to have an A in that class. And I'm not proud of that voice. As I say that to you, I'm not proud of that voice, but I'm really glad that I took some time to analyze it because it was, it took me on a journey for like four hours this week, learning through, I believe the Holy Spirit, what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. And I just want you to know that I believe in the things I'm teaching you and it's helped me as a parent. And I hope it will help somebody out there who's struggling to relate to their children from self. All right. So what we need to understand is there's always two voices at play in our life, right? We have our ego mind. Let me talk about what that is. That's our false self. That's kind of like pride. Some people talk about that. This is learned in fearful experiences, experiencing, you know, we experience anger, jealousy, hate, bitterness, sadness in this part of ourselves. It blocks true potential. Our false self, our ego mind is never satisfied. Let me tell you that. It is absolutely never satisfied. It's always looking for the next fix. It actually believes our ego mind that if we rest, if we stop striving, that we'll never become anything, right? We won't become the things that we want to be. Many people actually believe what ego mind has told them, and that's like a core belief for them. But as we've studied this in psychology, we recognize that this ego mind, you know, really pushes us around. And this is also a very uh, clear mindful concept if you study mindfulness. And then to contrast ego mind, we have something called self. Self has been described in previous podcasts, but this is the curious, compassionate, creative, courageous, confident, connected, calm, having clarity part of ourself. This is our spirit, you guys. This is our true nature. And in this place, we have all the tools that we need to be the best version of ourselves, to be able to naturally know how to respond to situations, both how to respond to ourselves and others. But unfortunately, we don't always operate from this part of self. Now, having a clash between our ego mind, which is related to our body experiences and our spirit, is valuable. Let me show you this why. Because in this conflict between our body 
and our spirit, some people call this soul, right? This, this connection, there's a lot of learning happening, right? This adversity, learning how to, you know, hear what the body is showing us. Our body will have pain. It will have painful experience, painful emotions when we're living out of alignment with our true and highest self. And we have this pain. It can kind of brings us to the attention like it did with me and my son. Something's amiss here, right? Something, something doesn't feel right. Something feels dissonant or uncomfortable. And that discomfort kind of brings our attention to the situation. We live in self-healing bodies. Our spirit is always trying to signal to us like, hey, this is out of alignment. It can be in things like diet. Hey, my body, I've had it. I do a lot of mindful eating and I had some experiences this week where I knew it. I knew it. I was eating cheese and it just wasn't sitting. And I was like, I got to stop eating cheese. And I can do something called muscle testing. So I did some muscle testing. I was like, sure enough, my body needed to go off cheese for like a month to heal because I've been overloading it with cheese, right? <laughs> so sometimes we just get out of balance and it's not a forever thing. We, but we, wherever we've been kind of overloaded, we got to take some pressure off. So what we really want to do is learn to really listen to this, right? Listen to this, these emotions, right? You kind of want to see your emotions as your teachers. You know, what are they trying to show me? What are they trying to teach me? A lot of people struggle against their emotions. They just assume they're all bad. And I'm not, I, I want you to start learning how to embrace and understand them. Let them be your teachers because your emotions are there to show you things, right? They're showing up for you, not against you, okay? So if you learn that kind of way of approaching things like I did, you'll be able to approach your relationship with yourself and, and the loved ones like your children differently. I'm also going to be referencing a book today that is just like one of my faves. It's called Raising Our Children, Raising Ourselves. It's by Naomi Aldort. To be honest, when I first got this book, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand its message. Um, I did have play therapy training and you know person-centered work in graduate school. And so I understood this concept of like how we emerge as human beings when we get what we need and we're truly mirrored and validated. I absolutely saw that as a play therapist. Kids emerge when they just were deeply heard and connected with. But I think as a parent, you move into your ego, right? We, we get into this place where we have all these beliefs. A good parent is dot, 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 right? We compare ourselves with other parents and how their kids are performing. And why isn't my child doing this? Or if I'm a good parent, my kids will have certain grades or perform in certain ways. Sometimes we judge others. We judge each other. Like, you know, why can't you get your kid under control in parentheses or um, why, you know, I can't believe they let their kid do that as if we control and manipulate our children. There's a lot of belief that it's our job to mold and form and create our children like ourselves. Like that's my job to do that. And I want to suggest a paradigm shift to you in this because, again, body, mind, spirit approach, I believe that my job is to nurture and help my kids reveal to themselves their true and highest self, to find their innate talents and gifts. But that's a journey that they're on with their creator, with their, with their highest source. And my job is to just help empower that. But truly, that's not my, that's not my role. Like that, that would be me overstepping with them. This is a quote from her book. I just love how she talks about this. And this is, again, from this book I was just telling you by Naomi Alder. But she says, you already know how to be a parent, yet you don't always follow your wisdom. You might say something or act in ways you wish you hadn't. But the reason you experience regret is because deep inside, you know, 
Only thoughts and past recordings in your mind get in the way of your wisdom, which springs from love. You guys, our wisdom really springs from love. And love is found in that heart-centered spirit place. So my goal by the end of this podcast is to teach you how to move into that space from that heart center where you can love and accept the journey that your children are on, right? Perhaps there's so many things that we try to develop and we can't develop them all at the same time, right? So maybe right now your child is developing interpersonal skills or they're trying to figure out how to care for their body and math isn't the most important thing, right? Or maybe math becomes the most important thing. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, my son had a math test and yet his room was a disaster, right? Because he was focusing on that. As we grow into adulthood, we learn how to multitask more. We learn how to take on more things. But I think what we have to do is learn to follow where our children are at. Where are they learning? Where are they growing? And support and mirror and encourage that growth rather than get in the way and and be have an agenda of what that needs to look like for them. That doesn't mean that we don't direct our children, right? Teenage brains are not fully developed and they'll need our direction, but that direction is given in love and respect in an egalitarian way, not a, I know what's best for you and you need to do it my way. That's very much an ego mind centered way of approaching these things. Okay. So just to give kind of a sense of this, Right? So your ego mind is designed to keep you stuck in your current way of thinking. It's responding to that past experience. Um, again, these experiences are good. We want to have these experiences. But yeah, here's a good example from um, that, that comes up for me. When I do intakes for clients, I'll ask even about their early birth experience because I want to know all the way back to when they first had, you know, body-mind experience in this life, like what happened for them, even if it's pre-conscious. A lot of people believe that we don't take that with us. If you can't remember it, it's not part of you. I'm here to tell you that it absolutely is. In working with children, in fact, I had an experience with my daughter, Brielle, I might tell you about in a minute. They absolutely remember, even though they can't consciously recall it. They remember it in their body memory. They remember it in that sensory memory. So for instance, there's a, there was a study once I looked at of, about a child that was born into the world, you know, prematurely hooked up to a bunch of tubes, right? This painful experience in this early life. And this child didn't experience the world as a friendly place, right? Adults were distrusting. People were hurtful. Um, from that place, a lot of times kids can have this distrust of their body, distrust of others, you know, kind of this sense of like the world's a scary place and this fearful anxiety approach. Now, those tubes weren't there to hurt that child. They were there to help him, give him life. But because that was his first experience and that was the belief even before there was a lot of consciousness around it that was experienced, that was the the initial imprint, right, on that child. So we see kids, and those of you who have had kids like this know what I'm talking about, who come into the world and have these really difficult medical experiences. Maybe you've had some, and it changes the way you feel about a medical room or doctors or adults or people. And whether that's still true or not, that belief gets stuck. Those emotions don't fully process until we give them access to. So then let me fast forward to another experience. My daughter, Brielle, uh, likes to draw. She does a lot of art. So she came home the other day and she was drawing a picture from school about her experience. I kind of encourage sometimes her to draw because that's a way for her to process. And she actually did it all on her own and brought me. And it was just this really painful experience. She had drawn herself and then all these people. And she talked about how they were against her. And you could see this, like, 
she kind of draws this like negative energy around herself and how basically, and she's like, mom, help me, help me with this. I can't get this out of my head. And I'm like, wow, this kid's really in pain. She's feeling some anxiety and depression. She's seven. Wow. This is something we need to deal with. Right. So again, I did some muscle testing, which is something, again, I love doing. And we kind of figured out where, what emotions were stuck for her, what her body keeps score. And I was able to figure this out with her. And we found out that some emotions were stuck way back at age two, guys, two years old. But they were still playing out now because things multiply, you know, in, in their sphere and they keep moving forward. So I talked to her and I, and I said to her, I just kind of said, let me just take a minute. And I just, again, I used that, that higher power uh, place. And I, I just said, what happened when you were two? And we just kind of prayed on it and thought about it. And all of a sudden comes to my mind when she was two years old, she lost a special nanny. She had a, we had a nanny for about a year when I, you know, a couple of days a week when I worked, but took care of her who was just so special to her. And this, she, I told her, I said, I said, Oh, Brielle, you lost your special nanny. That was when she went and did other things in her life and she loved you, but she needed to, to move on. And my daughter starts bawling hysterically, you guys. And she doesn't know. She looks at me and she said, mom, I don't even remember who that is. Why am I crying? And I looked at her and I, I knew that the internal two-year-old was in pain. And I took her in my arms and I, I hugged her tight because I've done a lot of this inner child work. And I said, your little two-year-old Brielle just needs to cry right now. This was really sad for her. And then I began to speak to the two-year-old. I'm so sorry that you lost your special friend. She and we kind of talked about the experience and I was like, I'm here for you. I kind of had to replace it. I'm here for you. I'll always be here for you. And, you know, it's okay that you feel that way. So this very guttural, deep cry finally released and she was able to return to herself. She came back to me a couple hours later with this painting about this drawing of like how good she was feeling and how positive. But again, we had to release that internal wound that got stored on that ego mind experience. So we all have these and it's so important to understand that there are wounds in us that we don't see in each other. There are wounds that we don't even see in ourselves. And that's where this deep mindful work, um, sometimes professional help becomes really important. But again, it's stored on that ego mind experience and keeps you stuck. Um, sometimes the things that we're taught here are great, right? We're taught to not touch a stove and burn our hand. We're taught that we should share and you know have respect and love for each other. So I'm not suggesting all the conditioning that's stored on the mind is, is poor. Some of it is good. Um, but I'm telling you that from the minute we are born, we are conditioned by our caregivers, our environment towards truth and untruth both. And so it's very important that when we, as we get older, that we start to look at and, and think for ourselves and step into self, are these things really for my true and highest good, right? You want to learn to listen and understand that information and, and, and seek to see whether it's still serving you now. All right, so enter some of the skills that I want to teach you today. And I'm just pulling them up here, making sure that I have some, some clarity for you here. Uh, one of my favorite skills to do this is called salve, okay? S-A-L-V-E. Um, and this is just from Mary's book, all right? But she talks about how the first thing we need to do is in parenting is separate, all right? We want to separate when these emotions come up. 
you do not want to play out the first thought, the first reaction that you would have either to yourself or your children. Generally, that's your ego mind, right? Um, here's a quote by Mary her that I really like. If you want, if we want our future as humanity to look different than how it looks now, we need to allow our children and our at ourselves to to create it out of who they are and not not out of who we want them to be. Our aspirations for them are based on thoughts we have inherited from the past. No change can occur by repeating the past and obeying the old fear be, fear based beliefs in our heads. You guys, we have a future that needs a lot of attention. We have a a world that needs help. I really believe that this young generation has some great gifts and and things to offer. But if they do it the way we always did it, we're like, hey, we got to go back to the past and do it the way we've always done it. We're not allowing them to offer the gifts and the perspective of that's that they particularly are bringing to the world at this time. Honestly, as things progress or digress to, they'll be done differently, right? But we, if we really want things to progress, we're going to encourage our kids to really learn to connect to self, connect to this voice that is confident, clear, love for self, right? And we're going to connect to that ourselves to help them move in that direction. So again, that first thought that comes up for us is generally going to come from that ego mind. It's going to come from that past experience. We may not even believe it, right? So go back to my experience with Tyler. Keep using this as an example. My first inclination was to shame. My first inclination was to say to him, you you need to get your act together. You need to organize your time and da, 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 and to, you know, to criticize and advise him and lecture him. He should solve his problem as a helicopter parent and tell him what to do. Guys, if I had done that, he wouldn't have grown. And also he would have just felt shut down. I am sorry, but shame does not motivate. Not really. It does temporarily, but for most youth, particularly when they hear that, they just turn you off. They're so sick and tired of that, that they turn you off, right? They, they would absolutely respond to, how can I help you? You know, can you tell me more about that? But when you tell them how and what to do, don't, don't, don't you think they've already tried? <laughs> don't you think that they've already done what they can do? And honestly, they were looking for love and support. And we'll talk about how they'll actually help themselves when they get that. So the first one is S. We want to separate. We want to play that movie out and hear ourselves and think, you know, what would I say here? And then ask ourselves a few questions, okay? So we don't say this thing out loud. You can write it out if you have time, maybe. You can play out that movie. But how do you treat those you love in that movie that you played in your mind? Is this, is this someone's voice in your head? Or is it connected to the past experience for you? Is this, is this really represent who you're hoping to be, right? Does this hurt you? Did this thought hurt you in the past and you're passing along still now? So we want to take that time to separate. All right. And then what we're going to do is I want you to consider being free of that thought. You know, see yourself free of that thought. Who are you without that limiting thought? Have you moved back into your heart rather than your head? Our self is found in that heart center, you guys. It's in that heart region. If you're still in your head, if you're still tied around, you know, how this is going to affect you or your own ego and maybe you're living through your child and you're fearful, you're not in your heart yet, right? Take that time to really get out of your heart. Get out of your head and back into your heart. And once you see yourself free and you and you imagine yourself free, you'll find your wisdom. You may notice, notice that your heart instinctively knows what to do and has needed wisdom. It is also aligned with your highest values. The heart is where unconditional love and wisdom and true self is found. So take time to get out of your head and get in your heart. And that takes 
stillness experiences. I want you to know that this skill is only as good as you practice it. If you wait till you're drowning to try these things out, you will not have them for you. Mindfulness is a practice, just like yoga is a practice, right? You can't just show up at a yoga class and be flexible. Those people have practiced. You have to practice stopping, breathing, reflecting, choosing, taking space, stillness practice, so that in these moments you can do this. I like to practice this like in traffic. I like to practice it when I'm not with my most triggering relationships so that when I'm home and I really have these tough times, that skill is already there. Okay, so that's A. A is really big. If you can separate, you are like 80% of the way there. Sometimes I separate by going to a different room. Sometimes I separate by taking a drink of water. Sometimes I separate by just connecting to breath. But you want to separate. You want to just notice those feelings. Are they painful? Are they ego-based? Don't use them to talk to your kids or anyone else. Okay. All right. That's just going to keep that pain online. The next is attention. A, attention on your child. This is, a, this is the idea, right, is you want to give all that attention to them. You're going to want to move away from those pushy thoughts and just really focus on your child. If you don't focus away from your thoughts, love them, look at them, see them, right? And attention really comes really close to listen. That's the next one, L. Listen to what your child, you know, is saying to you. Um, what's their wound? You know, what is, what is your heart saying to you? Or what is your child saying to you, right? Ask questions here. It's really important to ask questions and seek understanding. You don't ask with agenda, you know, seeking to get your agenda across. You really, really want to understand. When people feel deeply heard and understood, they generally honestly solve their own problems. So your goal here is to just understand, no agenda, you know, ask more questions, maybe repeat back what you heard. Is that right? And tell you, they say to you, yeah, you know, and you feel like you have some understanding. And then the next is that you validate. Guys, love has LV in it. Listen and validate are huge ingredients for love. You can say to them, you make sense to me. I can see how you feel that way. You know, validation is not agreeing with a behavior, but rather respecting where someone is. Until we accept where they are, their ego will fight to be heard and accepted. Until you accept how you truly feel, um, you will keep taking, you'll keep going back to that place you know, where you were until you can accept and validate your own feelings as well. Acceptance is that precursor to change. So you can accept, validate, and understand, right, love where your child is. Then they're ready for the last step, which is E, empower. Empower your child to solve his or her own issues by getting out of their way and trusting them. Let me say this again. This is the hardest one for me. It's the hardest one for the ego because we want to control. We want to make things happen. But I promise you, that doesn't help our children or ourselves in the long run. This creates codependence. This creates slavery between them. It takes away their agency and choice. And really, we want them to grow up, right? We want them to feel empowered. We don't want them to rebel to from us to be able to have this type of autonomy eventually. This creates relationship. So empower. Empower your child to resolve his or her own issues by getting out of their way and trusting them. Don't rush to fix it. I am the queen of helicopter parenting sometimes, you guys. I really am. <laughs> and reviewing this podcast, I realize how much, you know, my ego mind likes to solve and do, you know, perhaps because I just need to work a lot more on understanding what real success looks like in parenting, right? It's, I really, I, there's a really great video um, I saw recently. I can't remember the, the person puts it up, but it, it was talking about, well, how success in parenting really isn't 
you know, how successful they are in the world, that that just covers up our insecurities, saying our kid has all this success and look at what my kid did and comparing our kids. But success, success is really, does your child have emotional intelligence? Are they kind human beings? I stepped back after watching that video and said, you know what, that is true. I, I really think, I know all three of my children are kind human beings and they have a great emotional intelligence. I'm already, I'm already really gaining my definition of success with my children, whether they get good grades or get into the right college. This is all just bonus. All of us know people who didn't have the best grades in high school, quite frankly, and are very, very successful. In fact, B students, ironically, typically do better in the world if you look at than A ones. It's there. The CEOs, the the major leaders in the world were often B students in high school. If you look at statistics, the A students are often employees are really good at following rules, but they have a really hard time thinking for themselves and get stepping out of the box and doing out of the box innovative things. So we're looking at helping our kids really be successful and innovative and change this world. We need to empower them. We need to allow them to have failures and learn from those failures. Um, perhaps their, their struggle um, will pain me. You know, they may fail and and I may feel like that's about me, but did they really fail? My heart knows better. Our greatest growth and development comes in being given the opportunity, and I believe by loving God, to struggle and learn. That source, uh, that confidence that we give our children, that we believe in them and that we know that they can succeed despite the struggles that they're having, that makes all the difference. This is a quote from our book that I'd like to end with today. Children come up with their own requests, solutions, and ideas when feeling able, trusted, and free of parental expectations and emotions. Let me say that one more time. Children come up with their own requests, solutions, and ideas when feeling able and trusted and free of parental expectations and emotions. We need to get out of the way. We need to get out of the way, and we need to love and support in here and return responsibility to our children. This would look like... And let me give you follow end with the example with Tyler, um, because this is what I so seek to do. Oh, guys, I failed first. I didn't do it great, <laughs> but my son called me on it. He's like, "Hey, mom, I don't need that. I don't want that way." And I, that's why I took this reflection. I came back to him and I said, "Hey, you know how's school going?" And he told me about it. I said, "How can I support you in helping with this? Well, you know, what do you need from me? How can I help you with that? You know." Um, but really, I look at I look at. Um, you know, how can you support yourself, right? So I generally start with that, you know, well, what are you doing or how are you, you know, um, what, what, what ideas and thoughts have you already had to solve the problem? Sometimes they don't want our help. You know, in this case, my son didn't want my help. He's like, I got it, I'm, I'm doing it and I'll just have to see. I'm just gonna have to see how the end of the year goes. But what I know is that this is his journey. This is his journey one way or the other. And we'll be able to reflect on that together, whatever those grades end up being, hey, what did you learn from this? You know, what do you feel like you can do better next year? Um, how are you going to take responsibility for that? Right? We take responsibility for things that aren't even our own. They're not even our circle of influence, and that's our ego mind. Our ego mind needing that control, believing that if we love and we trust people, you know, that they may fail us. That comes from our past experience, right? From people who have failed us, from people who have taught us that we maybe need to control others, that we need to perform to have value. Really, guys, if we didn't have ego, we didn't have power, we didn't have wealth, and it really all boiled down to what would really matter is how we love others and how they love us.
I really believe that. I really believe that love is really the boy, it boils down. And that place that's found in that self, that ability to love ourselves and love be free of these attachments to things that are of lower value, right? And to step into, I, I see you, I hear you, I trust you, I know. So you can try self, you can try this perspective. I hope that will help you in your parenting to be free of shame. Um, if you want more help, again, I really love her book, Raising Our Children, Raising Ourselves by Naomi Alder. I highly recommend it to you for more ideas. Uh, there's a whole lot more of that goes into parenting, right? This won't solve all your problems. But I would start with deeply listening and validating and separating from that first response, really understanding where it's coming from from you. Is it coming from a shame place? Is it coming from fearful experience? If so, do not follow it. This is my podcast for today. And I'm excited for some podcasts we have coming up. There's, we're going to be doing a lot more uh, body stuff, maybe more of that health side. So hopefully you'll stay tuned. Talk to you soon.